Well, good evening. I bring you greetings tonight from the First Free Methodist Church of Peoria, located at 2121 North Sheridan Road, uh, where I've served for pastor for the last 13 months. And it's, uh, it's kind of a joke, but it's serious that God has literally called me to be in this city and uh, assigned me to a congregation which uh, had needs that he knew of, and uh, I suppose I had giftings that he knew of, and so the two were trying to find their way together and uh, identify what it is that God has said to me in order to say to the people in order that the city and the kingdom of God might be expanded. And so I count it a great privilege to be with you here on tonight uh, to the pastor and the shepherd of the house, Pastor Sam Doran and First Lady Stacy, and to this congregation, I just bless you for allowing me to share with you on tonight. So Pastor Sam asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would come and share on tonight and then sent me a letter in the mail that actually came today and uh, said that it's the church's 134th anniversary and I told him I had to shift my gears a little bit. but. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what the Lord has placed in my heart, and I pray that it's a blessing, not just uh, because it's the Word of God, but because He's chosen me as His servant to be the one to disperse His Word to you in this way. If you're in the habit of standing while the Word is read, I'd invite you to join me in the book of Deuteronomy, in the 10th chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 10, I will read the first 15 verses. And if you'll allow me, I'll read from the New Living Translation. Right. Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning at the first verse. And the Word of God reads this way. At that time, the Lord said to me, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. Also make a wooden ark, a sacred chest, to store them in. Come up to me on the mountain, and I will write on the tablets the same words that were on the ones you smashed. Then place the tablets in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two stone tablets like the first two. Then I went up the mountain with my tablets in my hand. Once again, the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the same words the Lord had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day when you were assembled at the foot of the mountain. Then I turned and came down the mountain and placed the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant, which I had made just as the Lord had commanded me. And the tablets are still there in the Ark. Verse 6. The people of Israel set out from the wells of the people of Jacan and traveled to Moserah, where Aaron died and was buried. His son Eliezer ministered as high priest in his place. Then they journeyed to Gudgoda, and from there to Jobatha, and land, a land with many brooks and streams. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers 
and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are their duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. The Lord himself is their special possession as the Lord your God told them. As for me, I stayed on the mountain in the Lord's presence for 40 days and 40 nights as I had done the first time. And once again, the Lord listened to my pleas and agreed not to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, get up and resume the journey and lead the people to the land I swore to give to their ancestors so they may take possession of it. Verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Verse 14. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. May God bless the reading and the hearers of his most authoritative word. I've read for you this expansive passage to give you a few simple thoughts. My intent is not to have you shouting and raising out of your seats. My intent is to have you at the end of the day to stand to your feet and realize that there is a world beyond this address that God is sending you into. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I, I want you to know this evening, Zion, that there is a three-letter word in the English language that has great definition that is found in this passage here on tonight. I'm going to read you the definition and I'm going to see if you can tell me what the word is. How's that? Everybody likes a little quiz, right? It's, uh, it's an adverb. And the first definition, according to dictionary.com, is at the present time now. The second definition is up to a particular time or thus far. And the third definition is, in the time still remaining before all is done. Any ideas? Present. I didn't hear it. Present. present. No, not present. Current. Current. No, now, no. Future. No. Three-letter word. In, no. Yet. Yet. Who said Yet. I heard it twice, over here and over there, yet, yet. It's an, it's an interesting word 
simply three letters in the English language. And it sets us up as a people to recognize that there's something that is intended that has not occurred yet. And that is what I've been wrestling with for Zion Baptist Church. It's 134 years into your ministry life. My prayer is that your ministry life will see 134 more years. But there is something yet that God has in store and intended that I believe Moses has written about here in this 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. The first thing he talks about in this passage, or the first point I want to make about this passage, is he talks about purpose. He talks about the purpose of the people of God who have been set apart in order that God might send them into the land of promise. You see, purpose is often found in identity. An identity, when received from God in heaven on high, allows us to be able to foresee what God has in store that is present now but not yet occurred. The expectations that uh, Moses has for the Israelite people that he states here very clearly in verses 12 and 13 are these. He says, what does the Lord require of you? First, that you fear the Lord your God. I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why is he giving us this easy passage? Well, if it were so easy, it'd be already accomplished, and I wouldn't need to talk to you about what God has intended and you have yet to receive. But it is his instruction and his purpose for the lives of his people that they fear the Lord their God. It is the second thing he mentions is that we live in a way that pleases him. Uh, I, I know you understand this morning that the name of my church is Free Methodist and we are people of methodology, the understanding of our founding father, John Wesley. But what it is that we love as Methodists is holiness. It's holy living. It's recognizing that people, when they encounter God in such a way that their lives are in turmoil, can find peace and new life because of their introduction to the God and the Savior of the world. The instruction is to live in a way that pleases him. It's to fear the Lord your God, and it is to love him. The love of God is shown to the people of God or the people who need to know God as we are enabled and empowered to introduce them to the one who has redeemed us from our sins. It is our love that is shown toward him when our testimony is expressed to a people who haven't heard or haven't experienced God in a way that they can find healing because we can tell them how we have found healing. And the healing that they are so, this world we live in is so desperately in need of will not, let me retract, can be found in other means 
but can best be found by first knowing the love of God. Isn't that the way you found it? Isn't that the way he brought you to the place you are today? And that's the way he wants to take everybody who meets him to that place. Fear him. Live in a way that pleases him. Love him. Serve him. What does it mean to serve God? I'm going to quote John Wesley one more time, and then I'll be done with my Methodism. John Wesley says, there is no holiness apart from social holiness. And in order for us to serve God, we must serve others. It is the intent that the Israelite people have been raised in a way that when they were delivered out of Egypt, when God saved them from the people who had kept them in bondage, that they found themselves rejoicing for themselves. Help me, somebody. It's a problem when the people in the church get so excited about what God has done for them, they forget that the intent of what he's done for us is that we will do what he's done for us for somebody else. Help me, church. Help me. You, you can't stay here another 134 years and not give out to someone else what God has given to you. Huh. Fear him. Live in a way that pleases him. Love him and serve. Mm. Serve with all your heart and your soul. And the fifth thing that he says here in this 13th verse. Fear, live, love, serve. He says, always obey the Lord's command and decrees. I'm, I'm here to tell you that obedience is the key to all things. Uh, I, I, I told my church a few weeks ago, I said, last time I was here at Zion, I said, uh, Pastor Sam, I said, how do I get back to my church, you know, the parsonage is right next door to the church. And Sam says, go down the street here. She says, go to the first stop sign and make a right. Go to the second stop sign. Go to the stop sign, but it's going to dead end. You're going to turn right, and then you're going to turn right again. Well, by the time I got to the second right, things didn't look right. <laughs> and so I said, well, I know he said turn right, but I'm going to turn left. And guess what? I didn't end up on Sheridan. I ended up on University. Help me, somebody. I got to my destination, but my, my travel was severely extended because I failed to obey the instructions I had received. It's, it's just that simple. I failed to obey the instructions I had received, which were for my good, and I got home five minutes later than I could have had I gone the way I was told to go. You understand this morning the Israelites had an 11-day journey that they could have completed. <laughs> and 40 years later, they found their way to the destination they had set out to. Obey the Lord's commands and all that he says to you because it's for your good. I'm here to tell you today that the purpose of God for Zion Baptist Church is that he has sent you a leader who is faithful. Moses was a leader who was faithful, and Pastor Sam is a leader who was faithful. But here's what Pastor Sam needs, and here's what Moses needed. 
He didn't need complacent rule followers. What he needed was those who would conform to the instruction of God that came through him. That's what he's here for. God not only gave the Israelites a purpose, he gave them a person. It, it, it's funny that God uses people. Of all the things that God could use to get our attention, he uses people. Imperfect, unqualified, disqualified, broke down, troubleshooting, missing the target people. And we find in the third chapter of Exodus, God has chosen this man named Moses in order to free what at the end of Genesis was 70 people. By the time they were released from Egypt was about a million and a half people. And he chose a man who he knew would intercede. See, intercession is the purpose of the person that God sends to deliver his people. Uh, I, I'm here to tell you, if you've been called to ministry, uh, run as long as you can. Because the purpose of the person sent to deliver the people out of their bondage is to intercede on behalf of a people who will not necessarily be responsive to the purpose you've been sent to deliver them out of. And here you are in the central location of downtown Peoria, sent to deliver a people out of a bondage they don't necessarily want deliverance out of. And although Pastor Sam's never said it to me, I've said it to myself about my church. Lord, what if they don't want to go? You see, here's the deal. Zion Baptist Church is full of good people, good-hearted people, good God-loving, God-fearing people, good holy living people. But just like it was for the Israelites, so it is for Zion Baptist Church, that it shall not be your personal righteousness that will get you out of bondage and allow you to defeat the enemy. It'll be the person of God and the person of Jesus Christ that will take you into the Canaan land that God has promised and will show you through kingdom glasses what God has in store and how you can defeat the Canaanites who don't want you to take over their territory. Help me, somebody. God needs a person. He uses people because he has a purpose for those who've been called. Here's what we're dealing with today. April 24th, 2013. We're dealing with a people who have a false idea about God. And when people have a false idea about God, the stories that they tell about him are false. And so I'm asking you this evening that your testimony not be about a false God, not a, not a God who's going to solve all your problems when you're done crying at the altar. Not a God who's going to bring about transformation when you walk out the door. But a God who's going to be with you through your struggle and your hard time. No matter if your house or car is repossessed, God is still there with you. And the purpose and the intent of people knowing that in advance is that they won't be disillusioned when their car gets repossessed and they ask, where 
was God. I don't know about you this evening, but God chose a leader who would intercede. And so here's what you must do. Don't just love the land that God has given to you. Learn to be a lover of the God of the land first. And as you love the God of the land, when the landscape changes, help me somebody. When the landscape changes, your love for the God of the land will allow you to go freely into the land of promise. I don't know about you, but I'd rather go 11 days and 40 years. Help me somebody. He has a purpose. He has a person. But here's what it's all about. He has a promise. The 10th chapter of Deuteronomy is a rerun of the book of Exodus in chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, Moses goes up on the mountain. He meets with God. He has two stones. God takes out his finger. He scribbles down some instructions. Moses is on his way back down the mountain. You know the story. He's on his way back down the mountain. There's a party going on. He hears the party. He gets closer. He sees the party. He doesn't know what else to do. He drops the tablets. But God says, come back up. Another set of tablets. My same finger. The same words. The same instructions. Take it to the same people. And let them know that the same God who gave them the instructions the first time has given them the instructions again because my promise is covenant. The promise of God is covenant in such a way that when the covenant seems to fail, it's never God. See, the question, where was God or why hasn't God showed up yet, is a fact that uh, we might be more in love with the couple on our left. Who's the couple on our left, Pastor? The couple on our left are doubt and disobedience. Doubt and disobedience are are constantly holding hands, and, and maybe they're holding hands surrounding you and trying to keep you from getting to what God has always intended and had in store, to keep you from believing the covenant promise that he's spoken so many years ago. And until it comes to pass, doubt and disobedience might have your ear. But I want your ear tonight. And I want you to give exclusively to God your ear. Here's what he says. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. What does the Lord require of you? To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. You see, the covenant has not failed. Has never failed. As a matter of fact, the covenant maker does not have the ability to fail. And so those who want to follow and engage in the covenant set before them, when the covenant doesn't work, the fact of the matter is you're not working the covenant. Because if you would follow after the promises of God and believe that what he said 
not just uh, to the Israelites, but to those who love him, then you will begin to recognize with gratitude the promises and the prosperity he said before you. I don't know if I told you this before, but I'm a believer in the prosperity gospel. Uh, I, I don't mean he's going to fill your bank account up. I mean, John 10, 10, he's promised you an abundant life. And if you desire for your life to be abundant and you love the Lord of the land before the land, then the abundance will be obvious and your gratitude will be excessive. And your joy shall be overflowing, yes, yes. and your God will be glorified. Yes, yes. That's what happens when you love the God of the land, yes, and not the land before God. Oh, I feel like preaching. Here's what Paul Borden says in his publication. He says the problem for the nation was that Israel, the nation of Israel, assumed that all God did was primarily for its benefit and was more concerned with its agenda and its needs than with what God wanted to accomplish in his mission of reconciling the world to God. In many ways, the church of Jesus Christ in our nation acts like Israel. I hope that scares the hell out of you. Because the destination that he has in store is heaven. So what's my question and my challenge to you tonight, Zion? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? My kids are older now, but when they were smaller... They used to ask me that question. Dad, are we there yet? You probably asked your parents. I probably asked mine. Are we there yet? The intent of the question is obvious. There's a destination yet to be arrived to. There's a place in which they hope that when they stop, that they can get out and they'll have a good time. There's somebody they want to see at the end of the road. There's somewhere they want to arrive to that's going to bring them joy. Yeah, yeah. And somehow, we're still in the car. People ask me where I'm from. I tell them I'm from Pennsylvania. It's a 14-hour drive, 13 hours behind the wheel, 14 hours because of the time change. And my kids used to ask me all the time, Dad, are we there yet? And maybe as a congregation, you're asking yourself, when will we get there? I'm going to tell you. I have the answer. You do? Yes, I have the answer. The good news is the answer is not time. The better news is the answer is obedience. Obedience to the purpose that God has set before you, that he intends for you to go forth on this corner, on this block, in this city, and to let the world know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. The good news is that the intent is the person, the person that God has sent here to lead you for such a time as this, to intercede on your behalf and for this city. And when the city comes into the church, your desire is for your desire, and I'm going to say it like this, 
because this is how my church thinks. Your desire is for the pew to be filled with people who look like you, who act like you, who drive the kind of cars you do. It's true. I'm not, I'm not busting you out. I'm just saying that's how my church people think. But when we intercede on behalf of God, we're going to be joyful with whomever he sends into our midst. He chose a leader who was faithful. He chose a leader who intercedes. All for this one very reason. Because he set his affection on you. Listen to what the scripture says. Verse 15. Yet, the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of his love. And he chose you their descendants listen very carefully above all other nations and I read the New Living Translation because I like these final words as is evident today Zion what is evidence today that you have been selected hand-selected by God himself to be where you are, in the place that you are, led by whom you are, in order that the word of God would continue to go forth in this place. And it shall not go forth just from the pulpit or from the seats, but in the streets and in the highways that the people who are out there will find God and hear his love and come in and fellowship because of the love that you have for God first. And so whatever the destination is, the destination must be where God is leading and how he is directing. And his instructions will get you there in a timely fashion to the right place, to the right person. The answer to the question is, are we there yet? The answer is yes, because God has gone before you. Won't you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the purpose and the plan of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance.